When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Women to Watch is an intimate look into the lives of prominent and influential women leaders from around the world and the challenges they faced on their journey. It's the real story behind her title. Join us every week to hear more stories about women from around the world and in your own communities at womentowatch.net. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch. I'm Sue Rocco. It's so great to be here. We have another great show for you this week. And joining me in just a moment will be Sarah Berlou. Um, Sarah is the founder and CEO of Omni Consulting, um, which they specialize in the health and wellness field. Um, as always, stay with us during the breaks where you'll hear from our exclusive watch team of corporate partners bringing you news and information from their industries. And for all things Women to Watch, you can go to our website at womentowatch.net to see our lineup and any exciting new um, developments that might be happening. So now I'm very excited and honored to welcome to the show, Sarah Berlou. Hi, Sue. I'm super grateful to be with you today. Hi, Sarah. It's great to have you. Um, a local lady, of course, I'll point out you're here in Philadelphia, um, very nearby. It's great to have you on the show. Um, I'm a two-time Villanova grad, so I kept it um, local. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love it. I love it. Well, listen, we always um, start off with the background and the upbringing of our guests mm -hmm. give our viewers a, a good sense of who you are and where you came from. So um, just tell me a little bit about uh, the community and the town that you grew up in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I probably would say I've, I've grew up in two places. So I'm originally from northern New Jersey and spent uh, up through second grade there. And it was really incredible because all of my cousins lived within 20 minutes of each other. So my grandparents' house was our central hub. We all went there after school. And really, I think of my cousins as siblings because we spent so much time growing up together there. And when I was in second grade, my parents moved to New York State, which was about an hour away from the rest of the family, and honestly seemed like we had moved to California because <laughs> being an hour away after being 20 minutes away was such a big shift. Yeah. Uh, but my mom actually never gave up on New Jersey and we kept all my dance classes. We drive down on Saturday morning an hour oh, for wow. me to take an hour class just to be yeah. able to spend all of the rest of that day with my cousins and my aunts and my grandparents. So while I went to grade school in New York, I consider myself a Jersey girl at heart. A Jersey, and, and if you're a Jersey girl, you're slightly a Philadelphia girl as well. Exactly. We all like sparkles and I believe leopard print is a neutral. So I almost <laughs> always am wearing some form of animal print, but that is how I represent my Jersey roots. 
Yeah. Tell me um, a little bit about what, you know, when you were little, what were your aspirations? What were you drawn to and thinking, gosh, when I grow up, I'm going to be a what? Yeah, that's a great question. I grew up with parents who we joke have blind enthusiasm for anything we would do big and small. And so I grew up being told I could do anything and I could be anything. And I absolutely internalized that message. So there was a period of actually most up until like end of high school, I really believed I wanted to be a surgeon. Uh, thankfully, I did wow. not take that path because I am not very detail oriented in that kind of arena. So <laughs> I've probably not been a good doctor. Um, but I had really had an aspiration to do that. And all the colleges I applied to uh, were actually for like biochemistry or pre-med, except Villanova, where I ended up attending business school. Okay. Wow. That's so that's a big aspiration to become a doctor. How was school for you academically? You know, did schoolwork come easy? Did you have to work extra hard? Yeah, I felt like schoolwork up until college came quite easily. I think college was a little bit of a shock because I hadn't had to work that hard. And so then I had to teach myself the rhythms and study methods. And so that first semester of college was probably harder than I expected. Uh, yes. but relatively easy for me to work through school, although I always wish in hindsight that I had like played a sport or like been really excellent at an instrument. And I kind of dabbled in those areas, but nothing ever truly caught my passion. And I've talked to my parents about it since like, man, I really wish, you know, I was like good at soccer or field hockey or flute, like something along that journey. Yeah. And my blindly enthusiastic parents often say, we are really good at speaking to people and public speaking. Like, that's not a thing. That's not a thing, mom. So thanks for that enthusiasm. Oh, like, that doesn't count, really. <laughs> people are paid for speaking, Sarah. <laughs> I know. Maybe, maybe that should be my next uh, career move. <laughs> right, right. Well, listen, I know um, one of the things that was very impactful for you growing up and you shared with me, um, your dad worked for a company mm -hmm. for over 20 years um, and, and they went basically bankrupt. And, and out of business. And he was kind of the last man standing. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I want you to talk a little bit about that loyalty that your mm -hmm. dad had for that company and how he instilled that in you. Yeah. Um, in addition to being blindly enthusiastic, my parents are probably the two most loyal people you would ever meet. Um, sometimes to a fault, I often say to them, like, you would take off your coat and give it to someone who's freezing in a storm, and then you would die of hypothermia. So like, you can find a happy medium there. Um, <laughs> but that is definitely evidenced in, in the story you're referencing. So um, both my parents, they actually were high school sweethearts, they were married at 21, which at wow. the time didn't seem as young, but now very young, and they're still together. Yeah. And um, so my dad went into the military. And when he came out of the military, he started working for a specific company and stayed there for over 20 years, most of his career and had grown up through the ranks. Um, and ultimately, they went bankrupt and they were sold. And he was in the mix trying to help them revive. I mean, not surprisingly, they were like a cassette tape company. So like, not surprisingly, wow. they didn't have a long future. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he like stayed on and helped them with like regional plans and all these other ways to try to help them succeed. And ultimately, once they were acquired, the division was essentially dissolved. And because he was so loyal, he, he was the last person standing from the original company. And unfortunately, because of the way the deal went down, um, he lost everything. He lost his pension. He lost his retirement funds. He lost, obviously, his income. 
And that was right about the time um, I was either a sophomore or junior in high school. And my brother is 15 months older than me, would have been a junior or a senior. So we were deep in like the college application process and financing and all of that uh, was thrown into quite turmoil. Yeah. And I feel like because my parents are so supportive, I didn't know how bad it was until much later in life. Um, they hid from us a little bit what was happening in the back end. Like we knew our applications had to change and things like that, but didn't fully comprehend the scope of it. But as, you know, observing that as a kid and growing up myself and learning through my own experiences, I think I am very grateful that I have that same sense of loyalty. And, you know, my friends will tell you, like, once they're on the pedestal, there is no getting them off. And I will fight to the death for them, probably more than <laughs> I myself. And I think that's an incredible capacity that I have. But I also learned in that process that there is a shadow side to loyalty. And that means sometimes you can get taken advantage of because mm. people see that and trust that you'll be loyal no matter what they do. And so that was really an interesting learning that I've taken away. In many ways, I still blindly have faith and loyalty anyway. And I've you know, had some bad friends probably because of that shadow side. But I think what would more importantly stood out to me is there are only so many good lifeboats on the Titanic. And I know that's like a, a vivid visual, but I think about that all the time that he stayed on. He kept trying to make them successful. He saw the warning signs, but instead like persevered with, with this loyalty first. And for me, what my takeaway was like, I don't stay in a bad situation or around bad people. When I see like mm. things are challenging to my integrity or my values, I do not hesitate to act. So I'm like, I'm the first person on the lifeboat because I've seen a couple of the signals and I'm not going to wait around for it to yeah. change or potentially shift. Do you, have you learned, I'm sure you have, you know, signs of as, as a business owner, you know, and the head of that business, you're always dealing with, with people and relationships, mm -hmm. whether it's employees or new clients. Um, are there warning signs? Have you learned about some things that, that you mm -hmm. think, ah, this might not be um, you know, a relationship I want to get into. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I do that both for people and for business. So, you know, I think all the time, myself included, and every employee should be thinking every day, is this the place I want to work? And I think what that does is it gives you power and choice. Oftentimes people stay at a company like my dad did for so many years, because the momentum is in your favor to stay. Change is hard, but you should be actively evaluating if that is the right place for you. And the same thing in relationships. I believe they have to be mutual. We have to be giving and receiving. Sometimes, you know, one person is giving more because of the state of the situation. And obviously that is the ebb and flow of life, but there always needs to net out to a balance. Um, for me, especially with business, I look for some integrity markers. Did people say, do what they said they would do? Mm. Did they say something to your face and you find out something different is happening behind the scenes? Or worse, is there kind of an inflation of, you know, oh, we're very transparent, but this really just smoke and mirrors behind what's happening. Yeah. Those kinds of tent post moments stand out to me as big, big warning signs. They might be like a yellow flag to someone. To me, those are like blaring beacons. And when I see a couple of those, 
start to stand out, that's when I don't wait. I just make the decision and go. Yeah. And I think sometimes, you know, you might give them the benefit of the doubt the first couple of times, especially the first mm-hmm. thing when you mentioned, I think is so smart. If, if they're not doing what they say they're going to do, um, that's, you know, that falls under the integrity mm-hmm. category. Um, so tell me, um, what was your very first job out of Villanova? Oh, actually it led me to the path that I'm, I'm on now. So I, my undergraduate degree was in accounting and marketing. And okay. the way they taught accounting at Villanova at the time was incredibly unique and has since scaled to many universities. It was problem solving focused. So you worked in a team of four people, you were given a fact pattern on Tuesday, and you had to decide what other questions you wanted to ask the professor to be able to solve the problem. You'd come in on Thursday, you'd ask your questions. And if you asked eight questions, and maybe you didn't think of the tenth, ninth and 10th one, you might not be able to solve the problem. And so when you came in the following week, your team would not have an answer. And so it was a really incredible way to teach us how to think, not just memorize. Mm. Um, And so I adored that. And I was like, this is the career path for me. And so I started working at an accounting firm right out of college and learned that auditing is not at all the way that class was taught. In fact, in, in the audit department of an accounting firm, you're basically ticking and tying is what they call it. So someone says, I spent $10,000 on computer software and you ask them for the receipt. If they match, you literally put a check mark next to it. And you do that all day long through the night. I mean, it was a grueling job that I hated wow. from the start. It just, yeah. it just never fit with what I, my expectation of that. Yeah. And um, because, you know, you go to college, you get a degree, you get a job in the accounting field, you take the CPA exam. And so I did. And at the time, there are four massive segments to the test. You have to take them back to back, two grueling days. And I remember saying to my parents, if I don't pass this exam, I am quitting this job. Like if I pass it, though, I'm going to have to stay because I invested all this time. Right. And I still remember the day, you know, they mailed you your test results. It wasn't even via email. It came in the mail. I opened them up and I had failed all four parts by two to three points each section. Oh. What would have been a devastating loss, right? Like to come that close. And my mom and I went out for ice cream and we celebrated because <laughs> I was like, great. There's the sign, right? <laughs> I was like, that's, that's what I needed. I was yeah. searching for jobs by the next morning. Um, And within a few weeks, I had changed positions and took a role in consulting at a big consulting firm, Accenture. And that's really what set me on the path where I am now to really lay the foundation for a real love of the consulting industry, but also like how to do it right. Yes. So can you tell me what, you know, Accenture, that's a big, you know, Mm -hmm. successful company and some people might get a job there and stay there forever. When did you get the itch to kind of, you know, I I think I could do this on my own. Mm. Was was there a wake up moment for you? Yeah, it actually was two more careers, two more jobs later. So um, I spent some time in-house. I took a role with one of my clients and I came in-house and was leading an internal consulting team, essentially. The team name was called Applied Solutions, and we essentially applied solutions to problems. And so we found our way to figure out internal and external, how to take human-centered design and innovation principles to solve in a meaningful way. And I worked in that for about a decade um, in-house at the power grid and the utility industry. And it, it dates me a little, but it was back when we didn't have Teslas yet. There was this idea of a plug-in car 
was going to plug into the grid and I worked for the grid. So it was an incredible granularity shift to go from like a nuclear power plant to a car in someone's wow. wow! And so navigating that change was really incredible. And on paper, it was my dream job. Uh, what, what wasn't on paper was I was one of the very few female leaders. Um, as I rose through the ranks, there was fewer and fewer support and mentorship. And so I ultimately left and, and came back to consulting and felt like I could get back to an industry, have a ton of impact without you know, this depreciation of what I would consider some of my softer skills, where there you basically had to power, have a power engineering degree in order to accelerate any further. Did you ever have an experience with a, with a colleague, a male colleague that kind of, you know, you felt he doesn't think I belong here. He doesn't think I'm capable. Oh my gosh. How did you handle it? Yeah. How did you handle that? Yeah. I think for me, when I very first became a a people manager, so I think I was 28, maybe when I was promoted to that role, there were five people reporting to me. All of them had applied for the job. Um, two of them were older than my parents, so it was quite a trial by fire. And I felt like, okay, what does a boss look like? They're very serious. They're very buttoned up. And, and that is how I started showing up. And that is not authentic to who I am. I don't really take myself very seriously. I pride myself on being approachable. And so I was exhausted. I was exhausted because I was trying to be what I thought I should be. Yeah. And um, I remember actually in a positive way, sitting down with a male colleague and just saying, like, I don't I don't know how people do this. This is like, how do you get home and not collapse of exhaustion? Um, and he said to me, because everybody else is being themselves. That's why they're not exhausted. And you have the power that got you here. You've stopped using. And it was such an eye opener to think about that. And I remember him saying that to me and then coming home and actually watching a segment of Sarah Blakely, one of my favorite entrepreneurs who founded Sphinx. And she said in that segment, you don't have to be serious to be taken seriously. And like, that was it for me. At that moment, I was like, I'm going to be me. And it wasn't all that well received by a lot of the male colleagues that I had because I was not showing up as buttoned up. I was showing up with humor and breaking the ice. And that was very unusual, especially in a utility industry, which is feels more like a government stodgy kind of job. Yeah. That's some of the best advice, Sarah. I, you know, I, I think we talk about this a lot on the show that women, um, again, painting a big broad brush, um, those softer skills are truly the most powerful Mm -hmm. because they're about relationships and communication. And that's ultimately what business is. I don't care what industry, so yeah. for, for a woman who's watching and listening to this, and, and maybe she is struggling with how to bring that full, bubbly, positive, funny self to her job, how would, what would you say to her to help her do that better? I think there is a, a bit of fear that you have to let go of, mm-hmm. that you don't fit the mold. And the thing is, that's okay. And actually on purpose, right? You're, you're getting these roles, these promotions, these opportunities because of who you are. So then getting that role and changing who you are is actually going to hurt you one in your professional career, but two personally, you'll be exhausted. So I think that's critical. Um, And I think once as women or leaders, we demonstrate that we can show up as our authentic selves. What that does is it creates space for other people to be their authentic selves because they realize that it's safe. 
And even if they observe, you know, different behaviors that might be negatives, if you still persevere as yourself authentically, that's when others are like, this is okay. This is acceptable. And it's, it's a magical thing when you give people a safe space to be themselves, how incredible the things are that they can create. Yes. And I think it's, it's such a positive thing that we're talking so openly about it now, you know, throughout business so that people are feeling that they have permission to do that. Absolutely. And big and small. I mean, I remember going to a training course and those, those early consulting business and they were teaching us if you're at lunch, like let's serve difficult things to eat. How do you eat a French onion soup around others? And I remember thinking, wow, this is so purposeful and helpful. How do you eat an olive with a pit in it in front of a client? And the first lunch I thought was so insightful. And then the second half of the day was, and if you're a woman, your hair should get shorter as you get older and you should never wear a skirt when you present because your legs will be distracting. And I was 22 and thought, oh my gosh, I love having long hair. Am I going to have to cut my hair? It was such a, such a weird dynamic to be faced with like all this encouragement, women were mentoring you. And then also like, you must fit a mold and to then feel okay breaking out of it is scary. Yeah. Um, one of the things I tell my kids all the time is do not follow the manual, the manual, the, whoever wrote this manual about how to do things. Don't, don't do that. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, so let's talk about Omli and I love the story of how you came up with the name and, and I don't know that everybody knows who Phoebe Omli is. So share that story. It's a great story. Yeah, of course. I've got her sitting over here as my daily inspiration on the bookshelf too. So I knew when I was deciding to start a company that I wanted it to embody the inspiration and just the feeling of a female pioneer. And so I spent months. I mean, I probably would have started Omli sooner if I had come up with the, the name that I was passionate about sooner. Um, but I stumbled upon Phoebe a night when I couldn't sleep. It was like 3 a.m. And I was literally just Googling female pioneers and learned about Phoebe, who lived in the early 1900s. She was a pioneer in American aviation. She went to a barnstorming show. This is before they're moving goods or even people via airplane, decided she wanted to be a pilot. She was 19 and no one would teach her how to fly because she was a woman. So she saved up. She applied for scholarships and grants and she bought a plane. It was about $3,000 then. It would be about $20,000 now. And still, no one would teach her how to fly. She thought, for sure, if I own the plane, someone will teach me. Right. And no one would. And so she started to learn how to fix up that plane and ultimately became the first female flight mechanic. And she had got a license for that. Awesome. And one day was just like, I'm just going to I'm just gonna figure it out. And started to climb into the cockpit. And one of the gentlemen stopped her and said, like, you're going to kill us all. I'll teach you. <laughs> Um, And ultimately, they ended up developing an incredible relationship. He was her pilot for many years. In her early career, she was a wing walker. So she would literally hang from the plane by her teeth. Um, And he goes on to become her husband. And she rises through the ranks. She um, flew the Roosevelts around on their presidential bid, ultimately holds the first ever federal aviation position before the FAA even existed. What I loved about her was not just that she advanced for herself, but that she sought to bring others along with her. Mm-hmm. She developed the curriculum for flight schools around the U.S. And in World War II, maybe one of my favorite Phoebe quotes, she was asked to train pilots for war and she needed women to be the teachers because there weren't enough, enough men to both learn to be pilots and be fighting the war and got a lot of grief for that because at the time, of course, you know, women wouldn't be teachers and certainly not teaching men. And she said, 
women have been teaching you how to walk your whole life. I think they can teach you how to fly. And I just, when I read that, I was like, yes, she's someone who- That's awesome. I love that. It's so powerful. When we think of the definition of pioneer, we say someone who builds or creates something new, which she certainly did, Mm -hmm. and creates the path for others to follow. And she did that at great length, both for male pilots and female pilots. Yeah. That's a great story. She was so courageous. I'm just so impressed by women who do, you know, they don't care about the rules or what's happened, you know, previously, they're just Mm going to do something new. Yeah. Um, We're going to go into our first break. And when we come back, we're going to talk all about Omni and the work that you're doing. Stay with us as we go into our break and you'll hear from our exclusive watch team. We'll be right back. The number one news at 10 p.m. Action news on PHL 17. Join Shari Williams, Gray Hall, Deuces Rogers, and meteorologist Adam Joseph for all the big stories at a time that's right for you. Action news at 10 p.m. on PHL 17. Back to Philly Watch. It's Jazz and Ben from Visit Philly. And this segment is all about Pride and Pride Month. Yes, there's so much to do in Philadelphia from drag performances and parades and festivals, whatever you're looking for, Philly's got it. Yeah, and so we want to share all of those things that are happening and we want to start off with our moms. So if you're looking for some fun, family-friendly activities this weekend, the Police Touch Museum is having a dance party and the zoo is having some animal activities. So fun fact also, the zoo is the oldest one in the country. Yes, it is. But if you're more like me and you like to play dress up, then dress to impress and head to the Franklin Institute for Science After Hours. They're having their summer ball and it is going to be amazing. That sounds so much fun. I need to go to that. (laughs) But for my sport fans, the Fight and Fills are having Pride Night on June 23rd. So you definitely can go and support that cause. Yes, so there's so much happening. Ben, what is it that you're going to do? All right. There's so much going on, like you said, but I love drag performances and drag brunches. So, so do I. The Sofitel is having a drag tea that I'm planning on going to. So excited for that. Oh, I read about that. It's every Saturday this month, so you absolutely yes. have to go. You want to go? Yes, we can go okay. together. Perfect. <laughs> Whatever you you're into. Time. Yes. <laughs> Whatever you're into, head to visitphilly.com. We have everything you can do this month. Hi, and welcome back to the show. I'm joined this week by Sarah Berlou. She's the founder and CEO of Omni Consulting. And um, I, so let's talk about the different areas of consulting that you're working in and what led you to be um, uh, focusing on the health, wellness, and cannabis industry. Mm-hmm. How did that come about? Yeah, it's, um, I feel like people that knew me in high school would be shocked to know that that's the industry that I'm in because I grew up as a dare to say no kid. So I still remember the commercial. This is the egg in the frying pan and that's your brain on drugs. Like I can hear that sizzle. And so I believed that. I believed that cannabis was a gateway drug. And, and so I had never consumed it really. Maybe, you know, like everybody once or twice in college kind of thing. Um, but I spent a lot of my career in healthcare consulting. And um, so when cannabis was medically legalized in Pennsylvania, where I live, I started to be curious about it. This thing that I'd been told was so bad and so terrible, how, how could it possibly have a medical purpose? And took kind of my healthcare consulting mindset and started to try to learn and understand more about the drug. And along that journey, you know, I discovered all the things I was taught were not true and that the prohibition of cannabis is not gray. It is very black and white. It was squarely based in racism, which I was naive to not fully comprehend that. 
And so the more I learned and then the harder it was to find credible information, you know, I spent a decade in healthcare consulting. So I knew how to understand the clinical trial and drug reports. And that was incredibly hard to find for cannabis. And that made me curious of like, why? Why is that gap? Um, The other probably tent post moment for me there is my dad suffers from some really debilitating back pain. He fell um, many years ago and hurt his back and has gone through a multitude of back fusion surgeries. And so he's on a lot of opioids, which frankly lower his pain, but don't even address all of it. So I always have been interested in other opportunities for treatment for him. And so as I was just trying to understand cannabis and learning more about it and the implications for patients, like my dad who suffered from chronic pain, I was starting to kind of connect some of these dots. And along that journey, I found it could actually be not the gateway drug I was taught, but could be an off-ramp for someone like my dad to really change his care treatment plan. And then I also learned that it could be something that I could personally use recreationally if, if that was important. You know, you could replace alcohol a lot of times with cannabis. And so as I'm learning this journey, I felt compelled to do something about it. And I went to an event called Women Grow, for women in the cannabis industry, but I wasn't in it yet. And it was in Washington, DC. I went down in my little business casual outfit. Of course, I had leopard print shoes on so my Jersey girl could be with me and my little laptop bag. And I got there and everybody was stoned. And I hadn't even really consumed ever at this point. So I kind of looked around, there's a bunch of tie dye, people are in overalls. And I just thought, I do not belong. And that is a business opportunity because there will be a point in time where more people that were not kind of the OGs, the original stoner, you know, portfolio that we have been taught are going to enter this industry to do that for, for good. Now, there were a lot of people that have entered for money, but I think a lot of people that enter cannabis with the purpose of bringing good and needed medicines to patients have a different perspective. And so I really left that conference. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. And thought, okay, what do I know how to do and how can I be impactful in that space? And so I knew how to be a consultant. I knew healthcare and I was learning about cannabis. And I actually believed my kind of beginner mindset and view of cannabis was even more powerful than maybe some of the original people in the space, because I was asking questions. Like I literally sat down and asked someone, what does it feel like to be high? I didn't even know. And so it kind of helped me see the industry through really new eyes than many. And it's a new, and it's really a new industry, right? It was never, right. Yes. 
Like imagine you walked into a liquor store and you don't know the difference between white wine, tequila, and Coors Light. I mean, that could be a horrible evening if you choose wrong. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I want to try all of them. <laughs> or you choose all of them. Yes. Even worse. So that was such a unique viewpoint at the time in the industry because everybody else that had been in it had, had they've already done all this hard work, which I'm very grateful for that they've led some of the legalization movements, but really to take it to that next level, we had to bring in the people that were of the dare to say no generations that believed in the taboos and the fears behind it. And so as I was thinking about how I could bring together these things that I knew, the idea of Omni joining that space and really and reimagining healthcare to expand, to include cannabis became like almost like the clouds parted and it felt so obvious to me that healthcare will continue to expand here. And so that's what we set out as a company to work with companies still in traditional healthcare, as well as wellness and cannabis, because we believe that they can learn so much from each other and ultimately the patients. And again, even people who use it recreationally find deep value in it. So was it helpful and encouraging to you that, you know, um, science, people of science, not necessarily holistic doctors, mm -hmm. um, were supporting it and starting to question and think, gosh, this could really go hand in hand um, with yeah. traditional medicine, which often when you talk about the opioids can be incredibly damaging to the gut. You know, yeah. it, it may relieve something, but it's going to cause a major issue in another part. Absolutely. And no one has ever died from a cannabis overdose. It's actually scientifically impossible because of the way our bodies are wired. We actually have a system, just like we have a nervous system. We have an endocannabinoid system in all of our bodies that wasn't even discovered till the late 80s, 1980s, like that recent. Um, so the benefits that you can offset using some more harsh um, chemical drugs with cannabis is an incredible gain for patients. Tell me, um, who was your very first client and how did you land that first client? Mm. So um, in the cannabis space or just any client? Right well, there? I guess as a client, yes. And and does, does a client come in um, and actually become a cannabis client? <laughs> in mm. other words, someone in the health or wellness industry that doesn't, hadn't really ventured down that road? Yeah, it's been really interesting to observe. Even here in Philadelphia, there's a company called Jazz Pharmaceuticals that purchased a cannabis uh, medicinal company that had a product for seizures. And so they actually bought a cannabis product in order to market it like a pharmaceutical product. And right. we're actually seeing more and more of that now with like the big pharma companies starting to realize that there's some value in the space that they could also think about how drugs work together or have their own standalone products. So, so definitely possible that a, like a big pharma company could venture into cannabis. And mm -hmm. I think hope, hopefully increasingly so. Um, but for us, you know, we have been really fortunate as an organization that we not only are authentic as individuals, but that is part of the foundation of our company. And so we have really strong networks and friends who were incredibly supportive on this journey. Mm -hmm. And when I shared that I was starting Omni, the number of people that either said like, take me with you and hire me, or I will hire you That's as awesome. soon as you're ready was, was really impactful. I remember a very specific conversation. I was one week in business. I had a, a client reach out and say, hey, we would love to work with you. And you need to go through all this paperwork at a big pharma company to get a services agreement in place. And I, I thought, well, that's going to take months. 
And I really only planned six months of not making money. So we got to expedite this process so I can have a check coming in. Right. And I remember meeting with the procurement person and he asked me about the name of Omley, which I've been very pleasantly surprised how many people asked that. And so I told him about Phoebe, a little bit of like what we talked about earlier. And he listened very intently and then said, I love everything about this. I want to support you. This paperwork will be done in two days. Wow. And Sue, I have to say it was probably the one of the times I was grateful for Zoom because I welled up with tears in my eyes because I was just oh. so moved that he was going to support me in this literally week old venture that I literally grabbed my teacup and took a giant sip to try to hide <laughs> that I had tears in my eyes. So he hopefully oh, wouldn't wow. see. Yeah. Um, but it was such, it was such a moment. Someone I had literally met on that call to believe was such a mental turning point for me of like, this is going to work. This, that goes back to what we were talking about in the first half of the show. So you moved that gentleman, whoever this person mm -hmm. was, it was the story that you were telling and he felt your passion, your genuine nature, your authenticity. Mm -hmm. And so very often that is what will close a deal. It's not sure. all of the, you know, it's not the PowerPoint presentation. It's not, yeah. you know, all of the, the content that you're providing. It's who you are. And mm -hmm. I would imagine that happens pretty often for you. You know, I didn't even have a PowerPoint presentation for that call. <laughs> I was that new in business. But I, I knew that. I was just like, somebody figure out if you're going to pay me so I know if this is a thing. Because right. I, oh my gosh. You know, in that, those early days, I spoke with my partner, obviously, in great detail about whether I should do this or not. And I feel really fortunate that you know, he believed in me long before I believed in myself. And we yes. literally spent the two weeks between Christmas and New Year's. Every morning, I had a list of things I was worried about, questions I had to ask, to talk through, to help me get comfortable with the risk. And then finally I was like, I'm doing it. I'm quitting tomorrow at three o'clock. And he was like, okay. wow. And I said, we're going to see, this is going to be like an MBA. I'm going to learn a lot this year and I might need a job at the end of it, but we'll <laughs> see. And I think back to that call with, with Kyle, who is the procurement person as such a, like a distinct, another tent post moment of like, no, this is not an MBA. This is going to work. And it was such a powerful, powerful moment. Yeah. Um, I know you have, you know, you have, how many employees do you have right now? 16, including myself. 16. That's a lot. Mm -hmm. and, and what year did the company? Uh, January of 2021. So we're about two and a half years old. That, that's pretty swift growth. It's very right. surreal. That's the word I use all the time lately. Right. It's like, it's just very surreal. So, so it's swift growth and it, it was, it's always a risk. I want to know what your um, daily mantra is for the days when everything goes awry, because even it, mm. for successful companies, there's moments where it, especially as the owner um, mm. and the leader, when something is going wrong, what do you say to yourself? What is your, you know, I'll even say life philosophy that keeps you grounded mm -hmm. and moving forward. Yeah. It's funny. I, we, we actually work with an executive coach who works with everyone at Omni to help set your personal human vision for the world. And we do that because I think it's so important to have a GPS point that you're working toward. And so mine, which I actually rewrote earlier this year, is that I'm filled with pride. I am present and I go confidently in the direction of my dreams. And they are intentionally built on things that I'm trying to work on. Because I, I struggle, and I think a lot of women do, to, to build healthy boundaries. I have often felt like 
someone asks for my time, it must be important. I should give it, which, you know, lends me a little bit more into the people pleasing space than I would hope to be. Sometimes it creates a pull that prevents me from being present. Mm. And as a, someone who is a consultant who always likes to think about what's new and what's next, I often struggle to celebrate the wins because I think that went really well, but like, what could have made it a little better? And so I don't always stop and fill with pride when things Mm. happen. And especially being, you know, a a business owner, I joke all the time that like one day I just started calling myself a a CEO. Like I don't, I just gave myself that title. You know, I I didn't know what that, what I was doing. (laughs) And so like really feeling like, no, I do know what I'm doing and I have confidence and I can follow these dreams and these visions very confidently is kind of that third piece for me as a reminder to say like, no, there are you can take ownership and like have internal pride and bragging, even though a lot of times I feel like culturally women were, were made to believe that really being proud of yourself is a downfall. Mm. Something else I think we, you know, I would love to be able to teach young girls, younger Mm. women, this ability to say no, it takes us a long time. You know, usually by the time we're adults, we feel very comfortable and, and even in the way we deliver it, I would mm-hmm. love to do that for you. I just, you know, I'm putting all of my energy right now here, whether it's just family and my company. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? And, you know, things that we can be doing with young girls to really get them confident in saying no. They, I will tell you, I have a daughter <laughs> and there is always um, a busy, stressful thing happening because they're all saying yes to each other all the time. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I wish I had the golden answer for that because it's something I certainly still struggle with. Um, there, there are days where I feel like I'm, I'm failing in all the things because, you know, I'm either too focused on work and not enough on family or vice versa. And I think the way I try to grade myself maybe is when we think of this idea of work-life balance, I don't look at it in a day. I don't look at like some days are not going to be balanced. And some weeks are not going to be balanced. And June, for example, I'm traveling a lot. It is not balanced. It's actually more friend and family focused, whereas May was much more business focused. And so I try to release myself for feeling like I have to have balance at every second. Yeah. Because I think that's something that we talk a lot about, especially as women, like, how do we find balance? And for me, if you look there at isn't, a longer time there horizon, truly isn't. you're never going to get there. Isn't. Right. And so right. if you give yourself a longer time horizon, you have more grace to say, okay, Today, not so balanced. Maybe tomorrow will be a little bit better rather than feeling like, well, that I failed at that. Yeah. Do you, are in, in the consulting industry, in the arena that you're in, how competitive is it? You know, mm. is there, a, I mean, I know there's consulting firms that have been around since, you know, the beginning of time, yeah. but how competitive is it for you here in this area mm-hmm. and the size of your company? Yeah, I, you know, I feel like I have, hopefully not a unique view on competition, but I don't really, that doesn't really concern me. I think there is a big enough pie for everybody. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's funny when we were first developing our PowerPoint slides to talk about Omni as a company, and we went to a few trusted, what we call advocates, people that knew us well, knew our work and shared the way we were talking about the company with them. One of the things we would mention kind of in passing was, hey, and if we can't solve that problem, you know, we'll refer you to someone who we trust, who we think can, and we would just move on. And time after time, the advocates would go back to that point and ask us about it. And we were just like, yeah, that's just who we are as people. We just want to make connections and solve problems. 
Right. And one one uh, advocate in particular sat back and said, I don't know. I feel like now I now I'm nervous. You're not going to choose me. And I'm the one that you're supposed to be hiring. And he was like, but I like it. And so we started to talk about what that meant, that because there's enough pie to go around, we're not going to take on a job that we can't get an A. Mm-hmm. We're, we're so small. I think even when we're bigger, our reputation is everything. And so when we know someone else can do a better job, whether that's because they have different expertise or maybe they, they're more aligned with the price point, we actually make that connection. And we have a formal program to do that because to me, that's how we raise all the votes around us. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just about like, I want Omni to be the most successful. Certainly I want us to succeed, but I don't see it as like a win loss in individual exchanges. I think it's like, how do we all get better and, and help clients succeed in whatever they're trying to achieve? How amazing would the world be if everyone worked like that? <laughs> you know, it's funny. We, we do with our team too. Like one of our internal principles is follow your path. And it's largely built on the premise of everybody setting this vision statement. So they know the path they're on. And we talk all the time about like, and if someone's path is no longer at Omni, let's celebrate that. Let's support you on that new journey because like business is business. And I always will think people come first, even when my own company is the business, because I think that's how we all succeed over time. Yeah. It's such a great outlook. Um, We just have a minute left. When you think about the future for Omni and even Mm -hmm. for your, for your own life, you know, um, Another topic that we talk about on the show, and and I think it's a good one, is uh, particularly for women to not feel um, they have to be apologetic for wanting to be financially Mm -hmm. successful, because ultimately, when we are, we can only do, you know, better things. Mm -hmm. And when you think about your future and your your life with Omelie, but your your personal life and and what you'd like to be doing and envision. What, what is that picture? It's a great question. Um, I think for me earlier, actually about a year ago next week, uh, my brother and I worked together with my parents to help them purchase a house. So they recently moved to the Philly area. So they've lived in Jersey nearly their whole lives. Wow. Talk about a brave thing to do. Yeah. Um, and being able to support them on that journey to be closer to us physically, but also have that security of a place of their own was a, a dream I had probably since I was in high school and that first well, story of my dad incredible. losing the job happened. And so that, yeah. that brings me great pride. My, my partner says all the time that he never knew me in a place where my parents had this kind of security. And so like seeing mm-hmm. the journey of my brother and I being able to help them in this way has probably been the most exciting thing that has come out of Omni for my personal life so far. Yeah, that's incredible. I, I have such great respect for you, Sarah. I think everything you do, you do with such um, just the right intentions always. And I think you're going to continue to expand quickly and and in a big way. Thanks, Sue. I totally love chatting with you. I love that we have a Sue, Sarah, my mom, Sue, your daughter, Sarah. So I think that connection runs went to Villanova. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking time. And um, I hope you'll stay in touch. Awesome. Likewise, Sue, thanks for the time and for all this incredible work you do to feature women and our voices and making sure that young girls are continuing to be inspired as well. Yeah, great. Thank you so much. Thanks, Sue. Uh, Stay with us. We'll be right back and you're going to hear from our exclusive watch team. Action News, celebrating 50 years with AccuWeather. 
If you think severe weather has been on the rise, you are correct. In the last three years, tornado warnings in our region have shattered records. With 52 last year alone, half of those warnings resulted in confirmed tornadoes, including two extremely rare EF3s. Thanks for always trusting us to keep you informed. 50 Years of AccuWeather is sponsored by Independence Blue Cross. Choose coverage you can count on with the region's strongest network. Is the best vacation one that you find? or one you get lost in, one that takes you to new heights or reminds you to go with the flow, to get your feet wet and your wheels spinning, one that lets you find your own rhythm or get carried away. Find the best of yourself. Get lost in the woods. Plan your stay in the wild woods today. From Philadelphia to the Lehigh Valley, and everywhere in between. For 150 years, Penn Community Bank has been a part of your neighborhood. Helping businesses start, supporting families as they grow, and staying connected to the people and places that make this region special. It's who we are and where we're from. Penn Community Bank, here we are and here we grow. There's a moment. Every hour, every day, every week. These moments shape our world. They add color, perspective, and sometimes pain. Moments are meant to be shared. Shared by friends, family, people you trust. At Action News, we cherish every moment. And it's our profound responsibility to bring you closer to your world. Never miss a moment. Trust the people at Action News. Do you stream on a Roku, a Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. Watch Action News Live. And the big story on Action News. Plus special programming, breaking news, and severe weather updates. Tremendous amounts of rain. Always on. Always the news team you trust. Watch 6ABC 24-7 on your streaming device. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Welcome back, and uh, thank you so much for being with me for another week of Women to Watch. Next week, I'm going to be sitting down uh, speaking with Kristen Willemeyer. She is an author and a neuroscientist from L.A. Uh, thank you, as always, to Kateri for producing the show and all of our corporate partners and watch team members. Have a great week, everyone. Hi, this is Sue Rocco. Women to Watch is pleased to share a clip from Breaking Through, a podcast hosted by Madeline Bell, the president and CEO of Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. This interview is part of a series in which Madeline interviews CHOPS women scientists about what inspires them and advice they have for other women interested in pursuing science and medicine careers. My guest today is Dr. Susan Firth. In 2021, Dr. Firth was named CHOP's Chief Scientific Officer. She is the first woman in CHOP's 166-year history to hold this important role. I'm thrilled to welcome Dr. Firth to Breaking Through. So, Sue, it's really great to be talking with you today, and it's a topic that I'm very interested in, which is the future of CHOP and science and research and discoveries but let me say that you are now our chief scientific officer. So how exciting from that girl with the chemistry set yeah. <laughs> to the woman who is now the leader of our scientific community here at CHOP. 
And tell me, you've been in the role now for about six months, and tell me a little bit about what your impressions are, what excites you about the role, and what do you see for the next several years? It's a really exciting place to be and an exciting time in science. Since I've been at CHOP now for about 11 years, and with the talent that we have here, our sense of mission with research as our North Star, I think we have the opportunity to transform the medical care we deliver to children. To hear more of Madeline's interviews with CHOP's amazing doctors and scientists, listen to Breaking Through with Madeline Bell, available wherever you get your podcasts. We are CHOP, and we can't wait to show you around. We are the nation's first children's hospital. Now, a care network with more than 50 locations that continues to expand. Three state-of-the-art research buildings with 1.5 million square feet of space. We have grown from 12 beds 165 years ago to nearly 600 beds and one of the best children's hospitals in the world. We have a level one trauma center, 11 floors of patient units, more than 20 operating rooms, first of its kind delivery unit for babies with birth defects, a separate cardiac operative and catheterization suite, and places to learn, like our internationally recognized simulation center. We have trained generations of leaders in the field of pediatrics. We are world leaders in medicine, surgery, and science. One of the top recipients in NIH funding for pediatric research. In this building, pioneers in CAR-T therapy, mitochondrial disease, brain tumors, hyperinsulinism, and other rare diseases. Here, groundbreaking work in fetal surgery, genetics and genomics, and neurology. In our newest building, leaders in social determinants of health, clinical informatics and epidemiology, autism, trauma and injury prevention. Our patients come from every state and 115 countries. These challenges requires the best and the brightest. We are passionate about pediatrics. We are motivated to make a difference in the world and in our community. We are a team. We are CHOP. stream on a Roku, a Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. Watch Action News Live. And the big story on Action News. Plus special programming, breaking news, and severe weather updates. Tremendous amounts of rain. Always on. Always the news team you trust. Watch 6ABC 24-7 on your streaming device. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. 
Now, the women to watch, Military Watch. Fewer than half of eligible veterans use the VA health benefits they are entitled to. But those who do use the VA, more than 80% of veterans are satisfied with the VA care. Hi, I'm Carol Eggert, Senior Vice President of Military Affairs at Comcast NBC Universal. Now, you may be asking, why should this matter to me? I share this with you because most of our listeners have some connection to the veterans in their community and may have the opportunity to share information about this new VA benefit. The VA has just launched the PACT Act, which is the Promise to Address Comprehensive Toxics, which is the most significant expansion of veteran benefits and care in more than three decades. Empowering the VA to help millions of toxic exposed veterans and their survivors. The PACT Act expands VA health care and benefits for veterans exposed to burn pits, Agent Orange, and many other toxic substances. The PACT Act adds to the list of health conditions that the VA presumes are caused by exposure to these substances. This law helps the VA provide generations of veterans and their survivors with the care and benefits they've earned and deserve. The PACT Act is the least we can do for the countless men and women who suffered toxic exposure while serving their country, said President Biden during the PACT Act bill signing ceremony. It means access to life insurance, home loan insurance, tuition benefits, and help with health care. So what can you do? Simply refer those veterans you know to va.gov and tell them to search the PACT Act to learn more. Action News, celebrating 50 years of AccuWeather. If you think severe weather has been on the rise, you are correct. In the last three years, tornado warnings in our region have shattered records. With 52 last year alone, half of those warnings resulted in confirmed tornadoes, including two extremely rare EF3s. Thanks for always trusting us to keep you informed. 50 Years of AccuWeather is sponsored by Independence Blue Cross. Choose coverage you can count on with the region's strongest network. Is the best vacation one that you find? or one you get lost in, one that takes you to new heights or reminds you to go with the flow, to get your feet wet and your wheels spinning, one that lets you find your own rhythm or get carried away. Find the best of yourself. Get lost in the woods. Plan your stay in the Wildwoods today. From Philadelphia to the Lehigh Valley, and everywhere in between. For 150 years, Penn Community Bank has been a part of your neighborhood. Helping businesses start, supporting families as they grow, and staying connected to the people and places that make this region special. It's who we are and where we're from. Penn Community Bank, here we are and here we grow. There's a moment. Every hour, every day, every week. These moments shape our world. They add color, perspective, and sometimes pain. Moments are meant to be shared. Shared by friends, family, people you trust. At Action News, we cherish every moment. And it's our profound responsibility to bring you closer to your world. Never miss a moment. Trust the people at Action News. 
Do you stream on a Roku, a Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. Watch Action News Live. And the big story on Action News. Plus special programming, breaking news, and severe weather updates. Tremendous amounts of rain. Always on. Always the news team you trust. Watch 6ABC 24-7 on your streaming device. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.